with me this morning to the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy. In chapter 6, we're going to read verses 4 through 9 together this morning. I invite you also, as you're turning there, if you've not done so already, take out your communication card, fill out the front of that, and then we'll turn to the back of it uh, in a few moments uh, as we come toward the end of the sermon. Uh, but please do uh, fill out that communication card and get it also in the offering plate at the back of the sanctuary as soon as service is over. Um, it's helpful for me uh, on a number, a number of things to be able to see uh, uh, what's going on in your life as you want to share prayer requests. It helps me to know um, more particularly how to pray for you throughout the week. And I assure you that um, I'm the only one reading these things. And so... Um, uh, so you can feel free to, to put on there whatever requests that you would like, and they will be uh, for, my, for my reading and my praying only. Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 4 and reading through verse 9. Moses, as he has given, uh, really for the second time, the law of God, the Ten Commandments, and as he's reviewed those, he comes to this thought in chapter 6, and he begins at verse 4 by saying, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. We've all been in a... Um, in a situation where it has been fruitful to use the phrase or to use the, um, the clause, I don't think you heard me. Typically, that's uh, spoken with a bit of a, a negative connotation. But what we mean by, I don't think you heard me, is I don't think you were listening. In the Hebrew mind, to hear God was to obey Him. And so, quite well, God could say to Israel when they found themselves in disobedience, I don't think you've heard me. Uh, to, to hear God is to obey Him, to listen to Him. Uh, and in fact, if we do not obey Him, then we've not heard Him, apparently. And that's the thought that Moses has as he delivers the Word of God to uh, God's people, the Israelites. That's the thought that is running through his mind. Hear O Israel, listen, obey. If these things are not fulfilled in your life, if this is not uh, to have the effect on you, it's apparently because you're not listening. It's apparently because you have not heard. This, uh, uh, this, this word here, uh, the first word in verse 4, is the same that we find at the beginning of chapter 5 before Moses uh, rehearses the law as he says again, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and judgment which I speak in your hearing today. 
that, that Hebrew word Shema was important in the life of the Israelite people. The Shema, these verses, verse 4 and following in, in chapter 6, they were rehearsed in the life of, of Israel's daily worship. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord. There is but one. As, um, as Jesus in the, uh, in the New Testament was asked, the scribes and Pharisees came to him in Matthew chapter 22, and the scribes asked Jesus, they said, Lord, uh, who, or teacher, uh, what is the greatest of the commandments? Which is the first commandment? Which is the one that is the top of the list, the most important, the one from which all others spring? And, is, and, and Jesus' answer is to quote here, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4 and following. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and he said with all your, with all your mind, which was the, uh, uh, the, uh, from the Septuagint, the Greek tran- uh, translation of the Old Testament, here in Hebrew, and all your strength. Jesus said this was the greatest of all the commands. And that out of this command that all the others would spring forth. Before we look into what it what a heart that is lived for God, what a heart for God looks like, I wanna I wanna address um, uh, something that I think is, is fundamental for us to understand, and that is what is the heart? The heart in the Hebrew mind, which is what. Uh, uh, the perspective from which Moses is, is addressing his people, the heart was the control center of life. It is the core of personality. It is the crux of identity. It is the very center of our beings. It's not as it would be in the, the, the later Greek mind. It is not just the, uh, the seat of the affections or our feelings. The heart was our center. We would probably call it our soul. It's everything that goes into the decision-making process. So every decision you make, every choice you make, everything you do comes out of, as Jesus said, the heart. Out of the abundance of the heart, Christ said, so the mouth speaks. The heart is our center. It's the deepest recesses of who we are, and it affects everything. And so when Moses tells Israel that they are to love the Lord their God with all of their heart, and he goes on, all your soul, with all your strength, he's talking about loving God, not just with their feelings, not with their passions, not with their emotions. He is talking about loving them with the very core of their being. Their very selves. That's what the heart is. And God's call upon us to have a heart for Him, to love Him with all of our heart, with our very being, is to love Him with our control center, with our core, with our crux, to love Him with all of who we are. And a heart that is for God is a heart that really cries out a couple of things. It cries out, first of all, He is my center. He is my ground. He is my source. He is my purpose. He is my direction. He is my longing. He is my center. 
He's not just a first priority. See, when Moses calls Israel, Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. He's not saying God ought to be the top of your list. He's saying He ought to be your list. Everything in the list must come from Him. All priorities find their source in Him. He's not just the first priority. He's not just a starting point in life. To begin our day um, reading the scriptures and spending time in prayer is, is fruitful and abundant. Um, it, it is helpful to us, but our whole days are to be lived in fellowship with him. He's not just a starting point. Neither is he just a big influence. Moses is not saying, all right, let God have a, have a significant effect on you, Israel. Let him, you know, kind of, Tamper your motives. Let him kind of direct your past. Keep him in mind, which is what we would typically um, hear today. And God ought to influence everything in our lives. No, he ought to be our very lives. He is my center, is what a heart for God declares. He is my core, my source, my ground, my purpose, my direction, and my longing. He is the one from whom I draw life, and he is the one to whom my life is given and before whom it is lived. He is my center. That's much different than just saying he's the most important thing in my life. He is my life. A heart that is for God cries out also in response and because he is my center, I live to please Him. The psalmist's longing in Psalm 42, which we're going to, uh, which David has already read a portion of and we're going to sing um, in response here in a few moments. The psalmist's longing was that just as the deer thirsts for the streams of living water, so our hearts, our core, thirsts for God. We live to please Him if our hearts are for Him. If He is our center, then we live our lives for Him. Our lives really are lived before Him and lived to Him. They are given to Him. And we live to make Him happy. We live to bring delight to Him. We are the children who want nothing more than to please our fathers. We want to see that... Um, Joy in his eye as he looks upon us. The interesting thing is that for the Old Testament people as well as the New Testament people, in Moses' mind as well as in the disciples' mind in the New Testament as they wrote in reflection on Christ and what he's done, they understood that how we relate to God is seen in how we relate to one another. Um, in fact, that's, that is the, um, the foundation upon which Moses is telling them these. Let's, let's flip back to uh, the scripture just for a moment. He says, you shall teach them. Yeah. You shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way. You shall lie down. 
or when you lie down and when you rise up. In other words, everything you're doing throughout the day, whether you're home or out on the road, whether you're in the bed or up out of the bed, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand. You shall, they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. There's something right here between your eyes. You're always going to see it unless you close your eyes. It's always right there. You will see it prayerfully. You can't get away from seeing it. A little box sitting on your forehead. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house. As you're coming and going, you'll see them. And on your gates. The, how we relate to God, our relationship with God is seen in how we relate to one another. Seen in our relationship with others. And so out of that thought, Moses says that this law of God, what he expects of his people, the, the covenant that he's entered into with us, that that ought to affect our daily living and each and every aspect of our daily living. He's calling them, again, not just to prioritize their relationship with God, not just to begin there, not just to have that influence who they are, but to live a life that pleases Him because He is my center. In fact, Paul, in speaking to the Colossians, um, in the New Testament, he says this in uh, chapter 3, beginning at verse 3, he says, You died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you shall, we will also, you will also appear with him in glory. Paul, he's talking about the return of Christ and, and the, the finality of, of life in this world. But the, the language he uses is very interesting. He says that Christ is our very lives because we've died. And we live in Him. What God is looking for is, um, is a heart for Him. And what that means is that um, what does He want? He wants a heart that is entirely His. What does God want from me? He wants your heart. Put it in a different way. He wants you. Only you. And all of you. When, uh, when we uh, wrestle with you know, our future, where we're headed, what we're going to do, um, it's good to make plans. It's good to keep in mind uh, what lie, what might potentially lie ahead. But the one thing we cannot miss, the one thing that we cannot forget is that first and foremost, before any and everything, before tomorrow, today, right now, He wants us. He doesn't want our promises. He doesn't want our futures. He doesn't want our things and our toys. He doesn't want our priorities. He doesn't want our um, our you know, 15 minutes or 5 minutes or 2 hours. He wants us. And kind of as Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else is going to sort itself out. If we keep that in mind, that He wants us, 
And what that means is he wants our core, our, our crux, our, um, our control center, our hearts to be entirely his. Then everything else will find its place as we faithfully live for him and as we faithfully obey him and as we live lives to please him, finding in him our center. He wants a heart that is entirely his, without reservation, without division, without qualification. He wants a heart that is entirely his. Um, next Sunday, we're actually going to look at, in response to a heart for God, we're going to look at the, the idea of a heart like his, like God's, and what he's able to do in us, in, in our core, in our uh, very center, what he's able to do to give us a heart that is like his. Take just a moment, please, and um, turn over to the back of your communication cards. On the back of your communication card, you'll find the same responses as you'll find also on the back of your bulletin. As I encourage you every week, uh, I want you to hang on to your bulletin. Uh, stick it in the, the front of your Bible. It'll help you to remember a few things. It'll help you to remember the commitments you make. It'll help you to remember also the worship that, uh, that you're a part of here on Sunday morning. It helps you also to remember those announcements that are coming up. Uh, um, but the, on the communication card, I want you to mark your response there as you feel, uh, as you feel led and comfortable. And, um, and get those in the back of the sanctuary at the offering plate. But I wonder this morning, if God is, is impressing upon you the desire to have a heart for Him, to have in Him your center, to have in Him a life that is lived to please Him, I wonder if your intention this morning would be to ask God to become the center of your life. Maybe you're thinking, you know what, I... I, I get that, and I think I've only had God as a part of my life. He's only been, you know, he might have been a big part, but he might have even been the biggest part, but he hasn't been the center of my life, and I need him to be the center of my life, and I'd ask you to mark that. Also, perhaps this morning you're thinking, you know what? I haven't been intentionally living my life to please him. I've you know, I've been doing what I want, just living life how I want, living to please myself, living to please the expectations of others around me, but I've not really been living a life in order to please Him. So this morning, I'm going to determine to live my life to please Him. Because He's my center. He is my life. Why wouldn't I be living to please Him? And then lastly, I wonder if, you, if your intention this morning would be to say, you know what, I realize I've taken, my, I've taken control of my heart. I've taken control of, of my priorities, my, um, my intentions. I've taken control of, of the way I want to live and for whom I want to live. I've taken control of that and I need to give that control back to Him. And so my prayer this morning is to return my heart to his hands. Um, his hands are trustworthy. 
That's why we, uh, just as a side note, that's why we share Thanksgivings each week. To remind ourselves and to be reminded through others that God is faithful. He can be trusted. He's like the Marine Corps. Semper Fidelis. Semper Fidel ever die. He is always faithful. The, um, and we can trust Him. We can give our hearts to Him. We can place our very selves in His hands and trust Him. And perhaps this morning your prayer would be the prayer of turning back to Him and re-giving yourself to Him. With that in mind, let's, um, let's pray. And please know that um, any and all Sundays, the front of our sanctuary is open for any who would like to come and kneel and pray. You can make an altar here at the step. You can make an altar here at the communion table. Um, if you feel led to make that step um, of faith, then uh, please know that this front is, is welcome and you'll find folks who are willing to come and to pray with you um, as, as you have need. Let's pray.